An unknown senior White House official wrote an op-ed in The Times claiming that Trump's actions are detrimental to the health of our republic. Trump immediately pushed back, tweeting, TREASON! in all caps, <laughs> and, and then attacked the anonymous writer at a rally. The latest act of resistance is the op-ed published in the failing New York Times by an anonymous, really an anonymous, <laughs> gutless coward. You know, I don't like Trump's policies, ideas, or demeanor, but I do like how he occasionally sounds like a Teddy Ruxpin someone fished out of a lake. <laughs> so, <sighs> this is ageism, I guess. Um, and the uh, media, I think, would be less uh, excited to uh, point it out if it were Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, I guess. But uh, Clearly. But um, Trump, Trump and his doctor say all his teeth are real. Why does every once in a while he do that? His dentures are sliding out of his mouth. Thing. Remember that during the campaign, there was a, a terrible bout of that. Yeah, and and that cleared. That sounded what like what that was going on there. Yeah, excuse my teeth are sliding out. Although it was in the midst of an otherwise uh, thoroughly Trumpian address to the crowd there. Yeah, so it was momentary. I think he gets his teeth back in place. They just kind of slide out a little. You think? Which is fine. I might have false teeth someday. You might. You might have false teeth now. That might have been like a roundabout denial. Of your the why, falsity why of that? your teeth. I'd be more than happy to vanity. talk about it if I had vanity. Okay. Um, couple of things. What order do I want to do this? Michael, get me a pair of pliers. Oof. Let's settle this for, for good. That makes my teeth hurt. Just thinking about it. Mm. God, my, my youngest one, he's, he takes apart his Lego creations so he can rebuild them. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uses his teeth to take them apart, even though they supply you with a tool that works really well. He really? His teeth There's a pry bar yeah. in Legos now. How interesting. Comes with a little pry bar that works really good. Hmm. But he uses his teeth, and he's chipping his teeth, and I can't get him to stop, oh. and he's going to destroy the only teeth he's got. See, might be the first second grader with a full set of false teeth. So he's got uh, big boy teeth. Uh, I forgot some, when that yeah, happens. Yeah. Some, some of them are, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, trying to figure out what order I want to do this. In. I can't wait to break down the Swedish election for you. Right. At some point. I'll do this. Do I want to do this first? doesn't seem like I want to do this first. I want to do something more lighthearted first. So what do I have this in front of me? Did I lose my mind? Did I forget something? I don't know. Uh, Marshall's got a great story coming up in his news at the bottom. If you haven't heard about the uh, resignation letter being shoved up you in the uh, Trump administration, in the Oval Office. In the debate over the paperwork side of Not the first time something's been shoved in somebody in the Oval Office. Oh, boy. If you remember that scandal. Yeah, because nobody does. (laughs) What are you doing here? What is... (laughs) What are you trying to accomplish? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I read an article in the uh, Wall Street Journal, their big Saturday essay by a, a man na- a man called Robert Kaplan. <laughs> That's the new trend. That's the new thing. A man called. Uh, a guy sound, called Robert Kaplan. like a child. Who I have uh, read a lot of his books over the years. He's a, uh, I get my always seeing World War III on the horizon from Robert Kaplan. Ah, right. Yeah. Who is a, uh, I think, a realist and... Um, the reason I bring this up is there there have only been three things that I can think of I've changed my mind on as a grown-up. I'm just, you know, maybe he's a realist, but World War III hasn't happened yet. Your predictions are as false as your teeth. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> I don't know if it's predicting World War III. It's just, I think it's being completely aware of how fragile the world order is. And I don't Boy, think most so people true. are. That's true. And, and well, that's the point of this essay. Most people aren't. They absolutely aren't. They don't realize that those catastrophes, particularly World War One, 
bubbled up out of something almost like today, where yeah. everybody thought, you know, in the modern world with all our economies tied together, it'd be impossible to have this a war at all, really. Well, right, and but you add to that the tendency to look at, say, the people of 1816 and think, well, they were, uh, I'm sorry, 1916, and think, well, they were very stupid back then. Human intelligence really didn't begin to flower till the day I was born. <laughs> right, no, right. Th- those were very smart people who didn't want people to die as well. But the reason this struck me, there's only three things I've changed my mind on, like big issues, as a grown-up. And I don't think you change your mind on things very often after the age of like 30, 35. I think that's probably true. I don't think you change your mind on many things. Well, yeah, okay. Three things. Gay marriage. Changed my mind on that. Um, Death penalty. Changed my mind on that. And this one. We do need to be the world's policeman. Uh, I, I've been a, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be the world's policeman my whole life, and I have changed my mind on that. Having seen the world with a little less world policing out of the United States mm-hmm. and the direction that's going, and people called Robert Kaplan or Henry <laughs> Kissinger saying we have more disorder maybe in the la- than in the last many, many centuries, and it's going to lead to something really, really awful. Anyway, so he wrote this essay over the weekend, The Cost of American Retreat. The world order that the U.S. built after World War II required sacrifice and commitment, but it brought unprecedented benefits. What happens when it disappears? And he makes the point, people are always looking for politics in these things, that Barack Obama and Donald Trump have almost exactly the same policy on this whole world order thing. They just talk about it in different ways. Barack Obama was a, we'll lead from behind, other countries need to step up sort of guy. Donald Trump talks about nation building at home, so did Barack Obama. Right. This idea that we're going we're gonna to pull back from the rest of the world. The rest of the world can take care of itself. And it'll be fine. And it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And it's just wrong. And uh, Robert Kaplan says uh, at the end, um, those who call themselves realists today suggest that we can do less in the world and get more out of it. It is a lovely fiction. Our real choice is between maintaining the liberal world order with all its moral and material costs or letting it collapse and preparing for the catastrophes that will follow. And he talks about the moral costs and how it's so popular among a lot of the liberal world now to blame the United States for all these awful things that have happened in the world. It's ridiculous. Basically, his point is, you want to see awful things happen? Wait till the United States recedes from the scene. Right. And other countries, like whether it's Russia or China or whoever, is in charge. They have no qualms, or Iran, they have no qualms whatsoever Mm -hmm. about how many uh, civilians get killed in an attack, for instance. Right. None. Then you're, quote-unquote, right-thinking lefties will demand that the United States intercede immediately to prevent the humanitarian disaster. Um, <clears throat> so I've changed my mind on that. Okay. Uh, let me throw in a note for, uh, especially for Trump fans who, who may be frustrated by this discussion. I'm 100% in support of the uh, Orange Ones campaign to get people to pay up. Oh, sure. Pay that, their fair share. That's absolutely true. They were going to lunch on our dime for a long oh, that, damn yeah, time. That's a different thing. Yep. That's them pulling out of thinking it's important to us to keep the world order going. Right. And and that's more a question of mechanics than mission. How do we execute the mission? We got to get more money out of the Frances of the world, for instance. But no, you're you're absolutely right. And th- you know, it, it reminds me of um, some of the anti-police rhetoric in, for instance, Baltimore. With all due respect to the need to rein in 
excess police violence. I mean, any right-thinking human being would be in favor of that. But if it goes too far, then you start thinking, well, the police are primarily a force for evil, and we ought to get rid of them, and then you got chaos, violence, and hate. So, you know, it's, 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 just, it's part of being a human being. You, doing the right thing means doing it and relearning it and fixing it and redoing it, rethinking it and doing it over and over and over again, including being, quote-unquote, the world's policeman. Because there would be chaos, horror, and economic collapse. You can't imagine. A- and or Chinese dominance, and you wouldn't like the look of that. Did you see, I meant to get to this, and I'll get off this topic because, you know, it is what it is. But there was uh, one of your high-up military guys, so I'll have to look it back up. The the Admiral of the Navy or whatever. Somebody said um, in testimony the other day that we are nearing a point or maybe there where we could not defeat China in a conventional war. Oh, yeah, yeah. Holy cow. We wouldn't necessarily win. That has not been the case with any country on Earth for 70 years. In terms of a land war? An actual war. Because they got this new aircraft carrier and a variety of things that they've got. Their new bombers that they're testing out. Mm. We actually might. it's It's not a given that we would win. It's been a given we would beat anybody going way, way, way back. Not anymore, according to him. Yeah, that's uh, that's something. I'd have to learn more about that. He might have a a purpose for saying that, but true. Better to be too vigilant than not vigilant enough. I'd point out that we haven't done such a great job defeating the Taliban, but that's a different sort of problem. Mm-hmm. Here's a thought starter for you: Did Kellyanne Conway not tell Trump that Bob Woodward was calling in order to undermine him? Or is that a lie? That whole story. Give him Trump's loose lips? It's not clear to me that that would be the way to undermine him. I could see saying, hey, 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 Bob Woodward's on the phone. You ought to talk to him right now. Yeah. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. Again, that Woodward clip, if you haven't heard it, Marshall's got it coming up at the bottom of the hour. Pretty entertaining. And everybody's talking about the Swedish election. Are they? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Strong and Getty Show. Unfortunately, he has caused a lot of divide in our country, and until we can trust in him and the choices that he makes for our country, we cannot come united. Thank you. the hell was that? That was just some Miss America contestant blasting Trump and the oh crowd boy. cheering. Super. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Um, Put on a swimsuit and high heels. That's what I say. Came across this story in the Washington Post. I always point these out. Uh, I like to point these out. These 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 that d- don't relate to the real world. In my, uh, it was a, The title of this was Hiking a Diverse Trail. The Great Outdoors is finally drawing more people of color. <laughs> Somebody who was concerned about Super. the lack of diversity in our hiking trails. Um, hey, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, hiking's fun. A lot of the scenery is really pretty. You ought to try it. 
There, I struck a blow, I guess. Uh, here's or that, something or other. Here's that headline I was talking about that they went out of their way. Under Trump, the jobs boom has finally reached blue-collar workers, but will it last? Right. Got to put a negative dig in there at the end. And the underneath the headline, it is growth, growth in the uh, blue-collar workers' wages is occurring at the fastest rate since 1984. Which will just make the disappointment of the crash worse. That's amazing. You take an amazing stat like that and got to put a, some sort of negative, but will it last? They'd probably been better off if they'd never made the money at all. Exactly. The fact that it's not permanent means it never should have happened. And this will lead you... Only in, permanent economic change should be allowed. And this will lead you into this story, probably. This was in Maryland. Um, Pathetic little state. Family, hardly a state at all. Family was smelling gas. Mom and dad said, let's get out of the house. That's weird. Two adults, three kids, and the dog got out of the house. Then it blew sky high. <sighs> Whole house just blew up. Wow. Haven't we all smelled gas and... And wondered what to do, because they say, don't turn on a light switch, don't pick anything up. Don't... I usually light a cigar and start thinking, <laughs> what should I do here? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But, jeez, oh, man, it took you a long time to get over that. Yeah, San Bruno, hello. Speaking of which... There's a pretty good piece in the Chironicle recently, the San Francisco Chironicle. It talks about Senator Bill Dodd. He's a state senator from the Napa area, which factors into this. A man called Bill Dodd. <clears throat> Stop saying that. Senator Bill Dodd walked out of the state capitol in the early hours of Saturday. He had a great sense of relief that the legislator averted an impending disaster by approving a bill that helps Pacific Gas and Electric Company, also known as PG&E, Withstand the costs of last year's devastating wildfires while protecting victims of the blazes and utility customers. Here's what they're talking about. It was a balancing act. The Democratic senator from Napa said after months of furious lobbying over whether lawmakers were going too far in helping PG&E with what critics called a bailout for a utility that has been accused of putting profits before safety. Not only the terrible, devastating explosion of a number of years ago, but it is thought that the uh, giant Napa fires might well have been the responsibility of PG&E. In the end, lawmakers easily approved SB 901 in a 29-4 vote in the Senate and 49-14 in the Assembly. Okay, overwhelming majorities. Those of you who vote for the same uh, party over and over again, let's find out what they approved. Under the bill, the state would dedicate $1 billion over five years to fire-reducing efforts such as clearing brush and setting prescribed fires. So far, so good. SB 901 also eases restrictions for clearing drought-killed trees from the state's forest and toughens financial penalties against utility companies that violate state rules. I love that. But it was PG&E aid that left some consumer advocates seething. Dodd, this Democrat from Napa, said, let me make one thing clear. If we don't provide a debt-stabilizing mechanism for the utilities, in this case PG&E, the corporation will certainly face higher borrowing costs, which will translate into significantly higher rates, or this company may very well face bankruptcy. And if the utility were to fall into bankruptcy, Dodd said, fire victims who are uninsured or underinsured would not be able to rebuild their lives. So, with the bill... Now, thanks to taxpayers, PG&E can withstand the potential $17 billion in liability from the fires. So, in other words, they're too big to fail. Yeah. So, the taxpayers will protect them. 
Because if PG&E went away, well, they're saying that then there'd be nobody around to pay off the people whose houses burnt down. Well, you know, there could be some truth to that. But how reminiscent of is it of the housing crash thing? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's what you'd pay extra. It's a common sense, according to PG&E, they said in a statement, the bill, quote, is a common sense solution that puts the needs of wildfire victims first. Better equips California to prevent and respond to wildfires, protects electric customers, and preserves progress toward California's clean energy goals. Do we have any? Uh... I, I would assume, just because of the sickening tenor of that statement, that it's crap. God, yeah. that's some garbage. Do we have any idea to what extent <clears throat> that dude uh, gets contributions from PG&E? Uh, I ought to look that up. I'm sure I can access that information. Uh, Mark Tony, executive director of the Utility Reform Network Consumer Group, called it a short-sighted bailout. California fire investigators have blamed PG&E's equipment for starting at least 16 of the fires that erupted during a fierce windstorm on October the 8th. 16 of them! In 11 of those instances, investigators found evidence the company broke state laws, state safety laws. But if they were fully made to uh, to take care of what they caused, Jack, that... That might lead to the bankruptcy, and that would be bad for the fire victims. So we'll we'll bail them out. You got to look at who's paying who. Obviously, whenever this sort of thing happens, did you see that big cancer researcher that got outed over the weekend? I uh, didn't see that. One of your top cancer researchers in the world, working on behalf of Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, which is one of the greatest doing good in the world cancer centers in the, uh, that that exists on the planet. This doctor Jose Baselga. Turns out, somebody looked into this and figured it out. Several drugs that he'd been pushing over the years in in conferences and talking about, he was getting paid for them. One in particular, he received more than $3 million from the company that made this drug that he was then going to conferences and saying, this is absolutely the future and we all need to get behind it. Wow. $3 million. One of the top cancer researchers that exists in the world. And he was taking money from drug companies and going around and pimping the drug. And he finally got busted because there were other researchers saying, I haven't seen those kind of results. None of the studies I've seen show that that drug is going to work that well. So he was actually doing harm to the world of fighting cancer because he was getting paid so much money. Wow. I wonder At the very if, highest level of this. I wonder if he just had yachts and houses and, $3 million. and hookers and champagne or if he was plowing that money into research and trying to rationalize it. I don't know. I don't know either. You can't do that. It just goes to show you how um, how susceptible people are to doing the wrong thing. Apparently. Yeah. Let's see. Bill Dodd's campaign finances. I got to one of my favorite uh, campaign finance sites. Let's see. Top contributors. Farmers Insurance, State Building and Construction Trades Council. That's a union. Association of Realtors. Council of Laborers. California State Association of Electrical Workers. All those donations, by the way, are just because he's a good dude doing right, right for the state. Right. And not expecting anything in return. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Bob Woodward's Tales of White House Maneuvering, What to Do with Resignations, may shock you. <laughs> How often should you wash your sheets? The experts weigh in in a oh, special boy. tribute to the late, great mustachioed Burt Reynolds. Coming up. Yeah. Burt Reynolds. Go ahead, sir. Burt Reynolds deserves that. In his dirty sheets. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
So you got State Senator Jerry Hill, Democrat San Mateo, said the, uh, back to the PG&E bailout story, the legislature set out to craft legislation to, one, aid victims of last year's fires, two, make sure PG&E customers didn't shoulder the costs. I don't know, well, that's a beautiful example of crony capitalism and granting, you know, monopolies. I understand why that's a little more complicated in power, uh, but still... And uh, three, to help prevent more fires. Of those three things, they've done one, Hill said. On the other two, they've gone in the opposite direction of where they said they'd go. Hill said PG&E could have done far more to improve the safety of its electrical system and instead focused on profits for its shareholders. This is a beautiful example, PG&E, of privatized profit and socialized loss. But you know what? They spread around a ton of money. I was taking a look at their campaign contributions. Man, they go both sides of the aisle. Got it, yeah. And deep, deep, deep. Republicans, Democrats, the the list of Congress people and senators that they give money to is quite astonishing. Uh, State Senator Bill Dodd, we were asking about, he got $8,400 from PG&E in the last cycle, one of many organizations that donated similar amounts. He's also tight with the uh, Electrical Union and ironically, the California Professional Firefighters Association. I hope to start reading the Bob Woodward book at 9 o'clock tonight when it becomes available on the West Coast. I'm liking some of the excerpts. They're interesting. Right now, news with Marsha Phillips. As you were uh, mentioning, Bob Woodward's new book, Fear, dealing with the Trump White House, does come out tomorrow. And Woodward's making the rounds of the TV news shows, giving a preview of what he was told by multiple sources about various incidents. In one case, economic advisor Gary Cohen went in to resign. Because he didn't like the way the president reacted to what happened during demonstrations in Charlottesville. And Trump actually managed to talk him out of it. Trump said, you can't resign. I need you to do tax reform. And he said, if you leave, this is treason. And Trump talked him out of resigning. Afterwards, Chief of Staff John Kelly, who had been in the room, pulled him aside. Cohen wrote this down. Quote, from General Kelly. If that was me, I would have taken that resignation letter and shoved it up his six different times. End quote. I believe he either said or meant to say I would shove it up there six different ways. Because mm. uh, that's the old saying. Yeah, the whole uh, how many you know, repetitions you'd get in sounds more like bragging than anything. Now, we got this text from somebody who said, you got the comment wrong. Six refers to the watch your six, like watch your back. No, no, listening to that quote again, that's not what he was saying at all. Take the resignation and shove it up your blank six different ways. (laughs) Right. Which is, you know, I think the Secret Service would get jump on you. Well, and hashtag me too. I mean, how much paperwork sodomy are we going to tolerate in the modern workplace? You know? (laughs) That's a... So that's pretty interesting. So Kelly pulls him aside and says, man, if the president talked to me that way, I'd have taken that letter and shoved it up his ass. That's a hell of a thing for the chief of staff to say Allegedly, Allegedly, according to Bob Woodward. And his carefully vetted sources. Yeah. That is a hell of a thing to say. (laughs) God dang it. When the books are finally written, we'll find out one way or another. I tell you what, if John Kelly starts making those threats toward me, I'm wearing metal pants. Oh, yeah. Because dude is scary. I'm clenching tight. Right. As for Defense Secretary Jim Mattis and White House Chief of Staff Kelly denying making any disparaging comments about President Trump, Bob Woodward on the Today Show says simply they 
are not telling the truth. These people, uh, these are political statements to protect their jobs, uh, totally understandable. Uh, but this is as carefully done as you can do an excavation of the reality of what goes on. You know, I don't doubt that. But again, I'd like to make the argument that you could say of those people who are denying it, well, they had private conversations of momentary frustration broadcast to the entire globe and, you know, to some extent taken out of context. And so, no, if they were to admit to it, not only would their jobs be over, John Kelly can get another GD job, Bob. Um, Not only would their job be done, but the work they're trying to do would be exploded. And maybe they think, you know, holding this guy in check is probably a pretty good thing to do for the country. And you'd screw that pooch. So it's a lot more than wanting to protect your paycheck. I don't think that's fair. I'm a Woodward fan, and I tend to think his books are uh, pretty accurate. But Chris Christie yesterday on Stephanopoulos said, I'll tell you this. The the part of the book that quotes me and uh, my conversations was wrong, dead wrong. He said, I can only speak for my stuff, but I know he got mine wrong. And I don't know if Chris Christie's just covering for the president or not. I have no idea. Well, one of the burning questions in the land these days, how often do we wash our sheets? Well, we've got white-coated Ergotex or Ergoflex researchers who talked to more than 2,000 people and found on average millennial men say they wash their bedding once every two weeks. Millennial, it's plenty. It's like underpants every day. Millennial every women, single day. Millennial women say they only wash their sheets once a month. That's fine. Experts, Dirty hippie chicks. Experts. <laughs> Gross cooties. You know, it makes a big difference to me. How clean are you when you get into bed at night? Are you showering before you go to bed? Well, then your sheets are pretty damn clean. But if you're like spending your whole day, you know, working in the yard and this and that and everything, take off your shower up in the morning, climb into bed, that's pretty gross. Yeah. Experts recommend on average you should wash your sheets once a week with burning hot water and harsh lye based soap. (laughs) Lye based soap, indeed. (laughs) Right. I shower before I go to bed. My sheets are pretty clean. And just announced, my friends, the return of Smokey and the Bandit in theaters to honor the late Burt Reynolds starting September 12th and running through September 20th. God, I got to think about that. Could I take my eight-year-old to Smokey and the Bandit? Will it hold up? Trying to think. There's some reference that there's... Because, you know, he and Sally Field kind of make eyes at each other, and the camera fades away. He hangs his hat on the antenna. It's like your old-timey movies. They they insinuate that some romance happens. Yeah, cut to the fireplace. It might fade, right? If I remember right, though, Jackie Gleason got pretty profane when the bandit... (laughs) Yeah, but it's kind of campy, you hear it everywhere kind of cussing. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. You ever been to a, an elementary school? S of a B. You know, a lot swear of like sailors. I think my son could see he's smoking the bandit. He might really like it. I know I liked it yeah. as a kid. And then deliverance. <laughs> really help him understand wow, Burt Reynolds' double fame. Double feature, I'll tell you. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs> Deliverance starring General John Kelly, who's more than oh, willing geez. to, you know, <laughs> approach from behind, as it were. Oh, I'd have had him squealing like a pig. Oh, right, exactly. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, the petering out coming up next. A couple of different directions we could go. I do want to touch on the Swedish election. Okay. And a couple of big things in uh, California, which might lead the nation in changing school start times. Yep. That might actually happen. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. time champion said i've said stuff that bad to referees many times regrettably he said i've never been penalized a game Mm. it definitely could be a a guy can talk to me that way but when a woman talks to me that way i ain't gonna put up with it yeah even subconsciously maybe i'd be curious to know uh, yeah sure that could be but i'd be curious to know whether this guy has a quick trigger for everybody because it's like umpires some umps will put up with a lot more than others there were there were various videos going around with Federer and Roddick and the likes, specifically engaging with this guy in in past matches and not too friendly language going about, and they only got warnings and such. Mm. Not to mention, Fair did Mac- McEnroe ever get games taken away from him nope. when he'd say, "You're a joke, you're a disgrace"? That doesn't get a game taken away. I mean, that's pretty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, big election in Sweden, and I'm reading the. Uh, the quite the fine account of it in the Washington Post by Michael Birnbaum, but I think he misses a couple of really key points in the way that left of center political thinkers usually miss the point on this stuff. It's the meatball party against the hot chocolate party. And of course, the uh, Swedish bikini team, is, uh, the Supreme Court. Um, Swedish voters angry about crime and migration delivered a blow to two centrist parties that have traded power for decades, but an insurgent far-right party far fell short of capturing a commanding position inside the parliament. The main issue being, should the spoon be removed from the army knife? All right. (laughs) Right. Let me know when you're done, and I will help people understand this incredibly important trend in modern society. It just doesn't fold nicely like the rest of the stuff. I agree. I agree. The election had been watched closely for signs about the extent to which a cascade of anti-immigration fear could hit Sweden. Oh, that, that that drives me crazy when it's always couched that way. Right. Uh, People aren't bigotry reacting in fear. Well, I'll put it. I'll phrase it the other way. People are reacting the way any human being does, or or always has, and always will. Yes. To their entire surroundings changing, mm-hmm. they don't like it nobody does any more than if you went to these Muslim countries and all of a sudden your town was all Christian and women got to drive and wear miniskirts. They would hate it. They'd freak. That's because they're xenophiles and racist, or xenophobes, rather. Um, No, it's because it's natural human reaction. That's kind of my point in bringing this up. And boy, seeing it over and over again. The concern of these people, the legitimate concern being portrayed as paranoia or fear or whatever, as opposed to a natural human reaction. And then the decrying of them turning to so-called far-right parties, which in some cases are far-right parties. Uh, you know, it's, it's the plot of like two-thirds of Westerns. Bad guys are terrorizing the town. And the good guys aren't doing anything about it because they're gutless. Or they're ignoring it or whatever. So you hire Clint Eastwood to come into town. And- so they hire a bad guy and say, listen, we're not crazy about you and your your moral compass, but 
we need somebody to help us. And and you you mainstream parties, you mainstream media keep telling people that there's absolutely no legitimacy to their concern that, oh, my language isn't spoken here anymore. Uh, people have a completely different moral compass here. Things I find abhorrent now happen all the time. The crime rate is rising, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, just to keep telling people that those concerns are completely illegitimate. And watch where they turn. They'll turn to Clint Eastwood. Or Yul Brenner. Oh. Pick your movie. <laughs> For instance. Magnificent Seven. Right. Now, um, now we movie tradesman. Exactly. <laughs> One of my uh, favorite aspects of this article, which again is accurate as far as it goes, but it says a string of high-profile crimes, including arsons, stoked the discussion. Even though overall crime figures remained flat or even improved, according to criminologists, last month the spate of more than eighty arsons in a few hours in the city of Gothenburg drove one of the politicians to toy with deploying the military to heavily immigrant neighborhoods outside city centers. So the argument that is baked into that paragraph is that, well, overall crime is flat or even a little improved. Well, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. So I'm living in a a neighborhood that has serious problems, and we're finally able to cure several of them. But then a new neighbor moves in, and he's a violent criminal. You're telling me because overall the statistics are flat that I shouldn't be concerned about that new criminal in the neighborhood? That is, that, that is ideology getting in the way of intellect, or intellect getting in the way of wisdom, like it often does. Well, the point, That's stupid. Well, the point I'm always trying to make, even without the, the, the overtly negative stuff, like crime or whatever... It's not an unrealistic reaction for someone to say, I don't want people who speak a different language and have a different religion in my neighborhood. I liked it the way it was before. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make you a bad person for thinking, I'd like to keep it the same way for my kids. That doesn't make you an awful person. What's the upside? You'd have to sell me an upside as a politician, or I'm going to vote for the side that wants to keep my neighborhood the way it's been before. Right. I was going to say, approaching it as a political scientist, whatever that means, is there a badge you get or what? I don't even know. Um, if Maybe that, that person who doesn't like the change, you would think, well, they are a xenophobe. Maybe they're a bigot. You don't like the way they're approaching it. But as a political scientist, I'm telling you, you better understand that emotion and deal with it like Jack said productively and explain the upside or you're going to have an enormous political problem. And, and, well, and it's a lot more than different colored people. It has to do with culture. And culture is I think it's important. all to do with culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Color, appearance is way overrated as a fact. It's about culture. And now it's time for Final Thoughts with those two hotties, Armstrong and Getty, and the other guys, too. Mm. Like her, she'd be stoned in Afghanistan. I don't like that culture. I think it's sick. I don't want it in my neighborhood. Here's Does that make me a bigot? Here's your host who took the uh, hosting duties to a dark place, Joe Getty. That's where I live. Welcome. Let's get a final thought from everybody, huh? Hey, Positive Sean, what's your final thought? Yeah, so back in May, there was a young gamer in love who was planning on... Uh, oh, I have to be fast. Everybody have a good day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mine was too long. We yes, hurting yeah. for time? Yeah, we are hurting for time. Michael, go show us how. I have to be really fast, too, but uh, have a good day. You wasted time well, telling us how you had to be fast. I'm sorry. Idiot. There's no real point into this. <laughs>
Marshall Phillips, very, no time for you either. Very quickly, a lot of you weighing in on the mysterious wound on my hand. Check out armstrongandgetty.com. There's oh. a picture there. Oh, this great. Let me know what you think. Take okay, it down, here's, here's my final thought. Yeah. So now we're <laughs> posting pictures of people's wounds <laughs> on our website for others to identify? Yes. Yeah, that's disgusting. What the hell is that all about? It's some sort of festering insect bite, isn't it? A picture of the puncture. Check it out. Picture <laughs> of the puncture. Me. All right. Did uh, Garoppolo really throw three interceptions? Oh, yeah. It's time for the Niners to cut him and move on to the future, clearly. You know who they're not starting in Kansas City? Alex Smith. Bring him back. Well, yeah, he's not even there anymore. I think he's in Washington now. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. I was going to review the opening week of the season for all the areas we're on the air, and I was going to go with, I don't see Hawks, I see incompetence. Raiders, Las Vegas can have them. I had a bunch of them. No time. Oh, well. <laughs> See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get! Get! Yeah, we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over! What? Bye-bye. If that was me, I would have taken that resignation letter and shoved it up his six different times.